welcome to the 40th episode of the Bucket List Gamers podcast. Today, I am joined once again by Eddie. Hello. As have I been for the last 39 episodes, so why break tradition? And today we are talking about R-Type, which is number 41 in the list. came out in 1987, and it is specifically the arcade version in the book. So we will go with the arcade version, which is good because that's the only version of it I've played. Fair enough. Uh, to be honest, I kind of like it. I, I, I know we've yeah. kind of gone into these old games and we've just pasted the shit out of them, but I actually like R-Type. Um, I think it's a bit of a break from the norm in terms of those sort of side-scrolling shooters that you got. Yeah, exactly. It's not usually a, a genre I'm massively fond of. I can play them, but they don't tend to hook me in because they're quite simplistic usually, aren't they? It's usually... yeah. You move up and down, you're at the very left of the screen, things come from the very right of the screen in various patterns, you can collect power-ups that give you different types of weapons, and some are usually worse than others, a bit like the old, um, what is it, Ghosts and Goblins, where you don't want the fire torch because it's absolute garbage, similar effects happen this, and a lot of them you can't cycle through weapons either, can you, so you get a new weapon and you're just stuck with it until you find something else. R-Type. I just, yeah, you can move in four directions, which separates it from a lot of the other ones of the time, which is a difficult thing to grasp when you first start playing it. When I first started playing it, I was completely forgetting that I could move forwards and backwards, so I was just hanging on the left hand of the screen all the time, which isn't a great tactic because you will eventually just get pinned in over there and, and taken out. But by the same principle, it's not, like we said just before we started recording, you said it's not zippy in the way that the ship moves. Most of those types of games, the ship will control really quickly and you can dip in and out of enemy fire and all that kind of thing. With this, it's quite a sluggish movement. So if something is coming towards you from two different angles, you're pretty much screwed. You're not going to be able to get out of the way of it in time. So you really have to think ahead. I mean, it's an arcade game, so it's designed to kill you, essentially. Everything in it is designed to be overly unfair, to wipe you out, to take more money off of you. And in the first... I'd say two minutes of the game, this becomes evident because very first level, you fly along a bit of open space with a few relatively easy enemies. I mean, even so, relatively easy. They still fire a hell of a lot of bullets at you and you have to be quite quick at eliminating them before they unleash all hell. But then you get to a little closed off point, don't you, where you have to fly through it like a bottleneck. And if you've not killed everything behind you, you're in trouble because there's some little drones that fire a million rockets up in the air that will take you out. But then as you go through that bottleneck, there's about 400 of these robots that spawn that just bounce around, and if they touch you, they kill you. So if you fly into that bottleneck too quickly and don't take a lot of them out, you've no chance. Add into the fact there's little drones on the ceiling that are firing little like pea shootery things at you that will also take you out in one hit. It's, and that's like a minute in, and it just gets worse from there. I mean, I don't know if you'd describe it as like a very early bullet hell game. Yeah, to be honest with you, that that was pretty much what I was going to say. You can sort of see the it being like the sort of proto form for bullet hell shooters, because that bit in particular, so the bottleneck bit, reminds me very much of the last section of the original Metroid, Hmm. where you're going up against Mother Brain and you've got to shoot those barriers, uh, the sort of like the power cells of the barriers to get through. But you've also got the gun turrets on the ceilings that fire missiles and beams at you as you're trying to hop through and all in the lead up to fighting Mother Brain, which is a pig of a boss anyway. The floor's lava, the ceiling's lava, (laughs) everything's horrible. Uh, everything's shooting at you, trying to kill you, and that's not even a <laughs> an arcade game, so you can't even say it's designed to kill you in that. But this, yeah, very much origins of a bullet hell shooter. But I mean, to compare that, that's the very end of that game. This is the first yeah. minute of of uh, of our type. So they were they were out for your guts in the first like minute, and it doesn't get any better. As I said, the the bosses are incredibly difficult as well, and it is one of those games where. You put another quid in, you can continue from practically the same place as you died. I think there are hidden checkpoints, aren't they, throughout the level? So the bottleneck, for instance, is one of them. If you get close enough to that, you will restart from there. And then bosses are the same, although I don't think the damage carries over if you die. So you still have to kill them 
within three lives, I think it is. Otherwise, it all resets. So yeah, not not the easiest game, but challenging and not that repetitive, I wouldn't say. They do keep it fairly fresh. And the bosses look so good that it's that's your motivation almost to see what the next boss is and what it does and 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 that keeps you going i think at least for me anyway yeah definitely um you can sort of see the influence alien and aliens had on mm. it as well cuz it the bosses and some of the level design is so hr geiger so there's the the the, the alien species from it is quite obviously a xenomorph rip off cuz they've got the really elongated heads they've got the sort of skeletal bony structure to the bodies some of them i think have the little tiny pincer mouth that comes out of the bigger mouth so yeah you can sort of see it's uh, the tribute in inverted commas uh, to the alien <laughs> franchise worn on its sleeve quite openly but yeah they, they some of the bosses are grotesque i bet it did coin the money in as well back in like 1987 because it does have that. We talked about it last week, that addictive quality that your Pac-Mans and the like have got. And we said Defender didn't have that because it didn't really have that goal to strive for or that potential next checkpoint to go for. Whereas this really does in the form of those bosses and in the form of you feel that progression as you go through it. It starts off hard. It just gets more difficult as you progress and you do unlock different weapons i think from what i remember so you can your initial one you can charge up a beam can't you but then there's certain things you can collect where it'll send out a like a little pulse thing that takes out enemies in front of you and all kinds of things like that so it's got that variation as well to keep you interested like oh what's the next special weapon i'm going to be able to find and how will it work and how can i use it to my advantage so yeah really good and i think it's worth saying as well that between sort of defender star wars that we talked about a few weeks back then defender last week and then this in the space of i think all in the space of about six years these came out and this was the latest one and to see the jump from defender to this in terms of graphics for a start look look fantastic for the time but music in particular when you listen yeah. to the sounds that Defender makes and then you listen to this, it is worlds apart. And that's you're only looking at six years, I think. If that's Defender 1981, was it? Yeah. Yeah. So you're looking at six years apart and the sound and just everything has leapt so far forward. The level structure, the like you say, the bosses, the graphics in general, the music, everything has just took that next step on. And I don't think that's just looking at these two examples i think that's the environment of arcades at the time they were just they were so dedicated to putting work into it and making it better that you see such an improvement like these days we talked about you get console generations that last for eight nine years where there isn't really that much progression games that came out day one and games that come out the last day do look slightly better but you're not getting this leap that they had here in six years yeah, and to sort of bring it into the present day, you can really see the amount of games that R Type has influenced up and mm. up until like twenty twenty three. You took a lot of mobile games in particular, so they've gone more Ikaruga style where you start at the bottom of the screen and you work your way up. But it seems to be such an easy cash in for the medium at the minute. So just to sort of like spit out a an R type bullet hell e sort of shooter where you get passive upgrades as you go along and you get a replacement for your main weapon and you get the little gradius style thing that orbits your ship hmm. that either can either be used as a force field or it can be upgraded to have a, like a little mini turret on it that just shoots out random projectiles and it just seems to be quite popular among mobile gaming in particular these days i mean i know that they've done R type 3 I think was announced or R Type Four at the beginning of this year for the PS5, which is surprising to be honest with you. I thought the <laughs> franchise wasn't still that popular that they were still trying yeah. to sort of like coin it in from it. But uh, yeah, but it, it's still you can definitely see that it's been superbly influential uh, up until the modern day, really. Even in other games as well, like we've talked about Sonic Superstars recently there's a level towards the end of Sonic Superstars where you get in one of Robotnik's 
flying machines and chase him. And that is just our type. You can move up, down, left and right. You can shoot ahead. You've got a special attack, I think, and you're just flying through enemies trying to, to catch him up and attack him. And and pretty much the, the end boss of Mania, I think, was similar, where you're supersonic and you're in space flying through, shooting, collecting rings and whatnot. So, yeah, even there, Sega are still using that formula as a little bit of a novelty in other games as well. Slight diversion, but the, the Sonic Superstars thing, a cool fact I learned the other day, which I didn't realise playing through. Depending on what character you are, you get a different Robotnik flying machine to jump into at the end of that level to start it. Yeah. So Sonic gets the, the bog standard like first ever one, you know, with the big chain hanging out the bottom. Yeah. So he gets the little, he gets the cab of that. Some of them are a bit, they're very similar, but you can see them in different games. But then I think it's the character that you unlock at the end of Sonic Superstars. She gets the one from the water zone, you know, the blue one with the two rockets on the side with the bubbles that go around it. Yeah. So it's really cool that they've, it's effort they didn't need to make, I think is the nice thing about it. They could have just had all of them hop in the same one. But they changed it for every character. They changed the sprite out, and they all handle the same, from what I understand. But it was just nice to have that variation and those little callbacks to all the previous games, uh, which I thought was interesting. But as I only played through as Knuckles, I didn't notice. I just, I just got in the one. I can't remember which Knuckles it is. I think it's from, I think it's just from Sonic Three. I think Amy. I think it might be the. They're all from the game that they first appeared in. Right. So Knuckles is like Sonic 3 and Knuckles. Amy gets the one from Sonic CD, which would make sense because she's at the start of that. And then randomly, just because that new character debut, they're just like, oh, give her the water one. Because <laughs> we've got a spare one going. But yeah, I thought that was cool. But back to our type. I mean, we're not going to spend ages on it because we've got other stuff to talk about. And as with these old games, even when we like them, there's still not massive amounts to say about them, I don't think. No, um, outside of the fact that it's a side-scrolling sort of semi-bullet hell shooter, I don't think there's much more else you can actually say about our type. I think we've we've showered it in glory when it comes to the graphics, which bring me back to Super Metroid. Yeah, very similar in in terms of the art style. Even some of the boss design looks very yeah. If you if you showed me a boss from one, I'd probably be hard pushed. To go, yes, that's definitely Metroid, uh, Super Metroid, or yes, that's definitely our type. I think if they spliced this together with Metroid and had bits where you were Samus and then you got in a ship and did the R type bits, you wouldn't question it. You'd just think no. it was all the same game. So yeah, I can, I can absolutely see what you're talking about in terms of that. I'm, I'm looking at one of the bosses that's shown in the Retro Gamer magazine here. It's the one you mentioned that, that looks like the the thing from Alien, and yeah, it wouldn't look out of place if instead of the ship shooting at it, it was just Samus jumping up and down. Yeah, so very similar, similar art styles, and yeah, it's unusual for me to give a side-scrolling shooter a a lot of praise, but of all of them, I think this is a really good one, and and I've played a few that I've enjoyed that have all had their roots in this game. I think it's fair to say. So I think, yeah, I think it's fair to, to give it. And, and like you say, the, the bullet hell style of games isn't l- limited to side-scrolling shooters anymore. No. You've, no. you've got the likes of um, like Enter the Gungeon and stuff like that, which is one of my favourite games. And that would easily fit into the category of bullet hell because just everything is out to kill you in that game and shoot a load of bullets at you. So, yeah, I think it, it, we owe a lot to this game essentially. There were probably others doing it as well, but this one's the one that really did it well and stands out. Yeah, a couple of my uh, favourite games were actually, you can tell the influence of it in that, and that's, um, so near Automata, or near Automata, very strict JRPG. Hmm. Uh, there are some quirkier sides in it, but then there are bits of boss levels where you have bullet hell built into it, so that one of the first bo- uh, bosses in it is like a marionette with a massive skirt. And so she's quite 
a tall, quite imposing boss. And you normally fight with a sword, so you run in, hack and slash. And then about a quarter of the way through the boss battle, the skirt collapses on itself and it just becomes like a gun platform that just fires bullets at you in a (laughs) pattern that you have to dodge through and dodge around. Um, and then return fire or parry the shots back. So there's that. And then there's Returnal, which was a launch title for the PS5, I think. Not that anyone can remember what the launch titles for the PS5 were, because no <laughs> one could get old, older ones. So. Yeah, but uh, that is a... It's a Souls-like, so it's one of those you die, you respawn, you hit checkpoints, and you can use it to refill your health last sort of thing, but all the enemies respawn. But at the same time, everything's to do with gun combat. So everything just shoots bullets at you or like huge, massive blobs of energy at you. And again, you have to dodge around those um, whilst performing under sort of Souls-like dodge mechanics and stuff like that, which I've, I've played a bit of. And it got to a point where it was just pad-chewingly frustrating and I just had to put <laughs> it down and walk away because I love me some Dark Souls, but that, that just wasn't for me. That's what happened to me in Enter the Gungeon, essentially. I, The amount of time I've spent on that game, and I, I get better and better at it, and then something really... Because it's all RNG and you don't know what rooms you're going to get, there's certain rooms that if it throws them at me, I've no chance, and that's it. It's just game over. And yeah, I, I never actually finished it on consoles. I got right to the end boss a couple of times, lost to that. And then there's a thing on PC called Mod the Gungeon where you can download it and it lets you hack into it basically and, and do a load of stuff if you want. And there's a code that essentially just drops a rainbow chest wherever you want and a rainbow chest spills out like 10 guns, 10 of the best guns in the game at once. So I essentially just did that right at the start, picked those guns up. And I set myself very strict limits. I'm like, I'll have one rainbow chest at the start of each run just to kick me off. And then I'll see how far I can get. And I've finished it probably 10 or 12 times doing that. But there's so many asides and little mysteries and stuff in Enter the Gungeon that I've not done all of them. So there's one where there's there's like a rat in certain levels. I'm going back like a couple of years now, so I might be misremembering. But there's a rat in certain levels and you run in and it'll scamper away. And if you chase it and attack it and you do a certain set of criteria, you can find this little trap door to go into the rat's lair. And you can go and speak to him and you end up having like a punch out style fist fight with him. So the game completely changes and it's you have to dodge his attacks and punch him back. And I'm rubbish at that. So I really struggled to do that bit as well. But the more hits you get on him, the more of these keys that he drops throughout the fight. And if you beat him completely, you get loads of stuff. But if you only sort of do a bit of damage and then he essentially beats you, you get these keys, which you go down, you fall into this room and there's about eight really massive chests and each key will open one chest, so you can pick which ones you want to open. You get a load of good stuff. But I've never actually beat him, and I think that's like a sort of a requirement to get the very best ending. So yeah, that's because no matter how many guns I spawn, I can't beat him at the punch-out thing, so I, I can't cheat my way to victory on that one. But yeah, that is if you've never played that, I mean, it's been out ages now, so most people probably have. If you've never played Enter the Gungeon, go and give it a go, because it is so frustrating, it's so challenging, but it's massively rewarding at the same time and it's one of those games where you can feel yourself improving and and figuring out and some of the shots you can pull pull off in it is it's fantastic and i really enjoy that game uh, but back to our type let's give it a score so we can get it on the board i'm i'm thinking high 70s personally i'd be happy with that because we went low 70s for star wars was it yeah, there's a game, an arcade game where we gave it low seventies, and I oh was it Outrun? It might have been Outrun, but yeah, I think this deserves to be not quite eighties because I again wouldn't overly choose it to play if I had the choice of a lot of games, but at the same time, if it was if we were in an arcade and they had a cabinet and that was all they had, I'm pretty sure I'd go and play it. So yeah, seventy six, seventy seven. Let's be generous and go 77. It is Christmas after all. Wow, yeah. Which segues us nicely on to (laughs) next week's episode. We'll give you a little teaser now in the middle. So next week's episode, we are doing a Christmas special and it is going to be an awards show. So we've hinted to it previously, but we have defined all the categories now. 
and got those nailed down. So we're actually going to record it straight after this episode. So we're not, because we're going to put it out all being well Christmas Eve. And we're not crazy enough to be recording it on Christmas Eve. So we're going to get it done and, and out early. We've got our categories. We've got our games to talk about. We haven't picked our winners yet. So that is still for debate. We've got other stuff to talk about. We're not just going to do a 21-minute episode today as much as we might want to so we can get onto the Christmas special. We've got a few other bits to talk about, but we will talk about those after a couple of words from our sponsor. Hey you, the boss sent me. We heard you like to play games. Now normally, we wouldn't suggest playing games with people like us. People who do usually end up swimming with the fishes. You know what I mean? But... If you're talking about The Family, a two to four player crime themed elimination game from Mayfly Games, then maybe you're making us an offer we can't refuse. So don't be a wise guy and head over to MayflyGames.com now to get your copy. Capiche? So if you're looking for a nice little game to get for someone for Christmas, you might have left it a bit too late on the postage, but get it for them for New Year. The Family is a, a fantastic game. I do have a copy of it myself. I'm not shilling something that I don't believe in. Uh, I've had a copy for a few years now, and we do play it quite often, so uh, go and check that one out. But back to video games rather than board games, and what way around do you want to do this? Because we've got two different games that we want to slag off. <laughs> <laughs> so do you want to go first with yours, or shall I go first with mine? Because I, I promise you if I start talking, we might be here all night. <laughs> In that case, I'll start with mine, and I'll, I'll keep it brief, but um, to, to summarise it, basically just comes down to the fact that the Switch recently, as in within the last week or so, has received its Batman Arkham Trilogy port, and to say that it is underwhelming, I mean, I'm, I'm quite talented at pattern recognition, and I remember distinctly that the PC port of Arkham Knight was shit, unapologetically shit on release. But this this just looks awful. I'd just like to say as well, thank you to our Patreon, the Sweaty Llama, for bringing this to our attention. You messaged us about it and, and we had a look and yeah, it isn't good, is it? I mean, we we weren't very kind to the Switch last week in terms of the the Hogwarts Legacy port, having long load times. But at the time, again, we did say, look, if that's the only thing that's within your budget and that's how you choose to game or you like the portability of it or you have it as a second console or whatever, we're not going to sort of rag on anyone for wanting to have a Switch over anything else. It, one of the things that really does my head in is when people have PCs and they look down their noses at everybody else and say, oh, this is better than everything else. So don't want to be those kind of people. If you want to Switch, we've both got Switches. It's not like we're against the console and we use them quite often. But the Harry Potter thing, the load times, was manageable. It wasn't fun, I can't imagine, to have to wait that long for the next area of the game to load up. But the game was playable. If you had an hour, you could get 45 minutes worth of gameplay out of it or whatever the load times would cause you. This doesn't look playable to me from the footage that I've seen. No. And again, not wanting to rag on Switch owners because I'm a Switch owner myself and I do love the console. But some of these titles were on the Xbox 360. That That's the standard I'm going to sort of set my stall out with. And the the 360 versions and the PS3 versions looked nicer. That's not just frame rates. That's that is graphically it looked better. I don't think this is a switch issue, is it? I think this is a no. publisher issue or a programmer issue, because we know what the switch is capable of when it's done right. And yes, a lot of those are first party games that know the architecture probably better than other production companies but there's no excuse for this it just i can't i bet you could crack a switch put a ps3 emulator on it and it would look better than this yeah and play better than this definitely i to me this just smacks of the gta definitive edition of san andreas and um, vice city that 
they just churned out because they wanted to cash in again on a franchise that's... I mean, let's be fair, the last foray that Rocksteady made into the Batman-verse was the the MMO one. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that was just where you played Nightwing or Robin or Batgirl, and it was set in the same universe but wasn't received very well, so I think they've kind of got the message loud and clear that everyone just wants the Arkham games again. Hmm. And they've just gone, oh, uh, well, we haven't released it on the Switch yet, so um, if we just churn this out, it'll be fine. We'll patch it in post. It's just the morals of some of these companies these days is what gets to me, because people must have played this at the developers or at the publishers, and people, if they've got any scruples whatsoever, must have said... This is awful. This is it looks terrible. It plays even worse. It's jumping all over the place. The frames are skipping. I can't even tell what's happening on it. And then somebody at that company has gone, Yeah, we appreciate all that feedback. Push it out. And charge yeah. 50, 60 quid or whatever the going rate on it is. I assume it's quite an expensive one if it's a a triple A collection game. Yeah, I would assume so. I mean, they are good games. Arkham Knight received quite a lot of criticism when it was released because you went from this stealthy gameplay where you could punch the crap out of someone if you needed to, but the predominant method of survival in that game was stealth and you could pick off guards and this like the scenario escalated from there. And then you got this big city reveal where the only thing you could do to get around it was use the Batmobile and the city itself wasn't full of much to do. So all they ended up doing was making like a destruction or a demolition derby sort of thing where you were the Batmobile blowing up tanks, which is not really something that's been part of the Batman <laughs> mythos, really. It's not it's not the sort of thing he does. So to, to just pick on that and just go, that's a really good idea. We'll turn the Batmobile into a tank. And yeah, and the thing I didn't understand was the Arkham Knight character is supposed to know Batman really well, knows all his weaknesses. I mean, you just fill the tanks, the enemy tanks, with people. And so when he blew <laughs> yeah. them up, he'd he'd never be able to be Batman again because he took a life, and that's Batman's one thing he can <laughs> never do. So you just make it, fill it with people, blow it up. Oh, no, I'm going to have to go cry on a gargoyle for the rest of my career now. It sounds like the same person wrote that idea as who wrote Superman 64 and went, do you know what Superman does? A lot of time trials <laughs> through rings. like, the... <laughs> And then and then the odd five seconds where he has to pick a car up before it smashes into someone and then back yeah. to the rings again. It, I, I mean, I've never liked those games personally that much. I've, had, I've bought a couple of them because they had good special editions. I think you got a statue with one of them, which I really liked and I got it cheap. But I I don't do stealth that well. I think we've discussed this before. I'm more of a run in and and shoot everything I can type of person. And I've I've played them a bit and I didn't mind them again. I mean, it, this podcast is making it sound like I literally don't like any type of game. I do have my niches that I do enjoy, uh, but that one I've just I've I've played a couple of them and I've played them quite far in, so I must not dislike them that much. I never played the third one, so I've missed out on all this tank shooting. Uh, and and that business, but I've just checked, and it's RRP is fifty quid. Most places are charging forty. You can get it for as low as about thirty five. But even still, the state it's in at the minute, it's not worth thirty five quid, let alone fifty. I really don't like it the way things are going with this whole charge oh, release it and we'll just patch it business. Because I know this is the extreme other end of the spectrum. But when we were talking the other day about how Switch tends to be for people who don't want to spend five, six hundred quid on a console, I suspect there are also Switch users out there who don't have a good internet connection or any internet connection in some regards. So how are they meant to download this patch when it when it comes about? Do you know what I mean? If if they've yeah. gone and just bought, they've saved up the money and gone and bought a copy of the game because they love Batman or whatever, and then they had they are stuck with this version of it. Because either their broadband is very limited or they've not got any f- data on their mobile plan. or I know it's an extreme example, but I bet there are people out there that fall into that category. And they're, they've just been shafted for 40 quid 
that they could have spent on something far better for a load of games from what are we talking 2010 2011 that don't work yeah. properly in 2023 yeah um i know in one of our previous episodes we mentioned that an internet connection these days is up there with breathable air and running water in terms of human necessity but yeah th- there are a lot of people that it's just not an affordable luxury to have a permanent internet connection and to be stuck with this as your alternative. It's like the poor sods that bought No Man's Sky mm. and are stuck with the original version of that as opposed to the new version that have now patched to buggery or cyberpunk. <laughs> yeah, and I can sort of understand it with No Man's Sky to an extent. They They had a vision, didn't they? And they released that vision and people didn't like it. So they took it upon themselves to actively change it to what people wanted, which is commendable and that's the only way they could do it less so with cyberpunk although i had the base game and i never had any issues with it so i think you just it was just luck of the draw really i didn't have any gl- major glitches or anything like that with no game breaking ones or anything and then i gradually got the patches and then i stopped playing it before they did this one that introduced loads more content and stuff but this just seems incredibly tight to release a game in this state I mean, at least Cyberpunk was, for the most part, playable. And No Man's Sky was playable even though it was a bit dull. This is just... This is like, like you say, you'd be pulling your hair out trying to play this. Especially if you have memories of the old game to compare it to and know that it shouldn't work like this. And and you're looking at... What are we now? 10, 11, 12 years later than the first one came out? If not more... And it's worse. It's just not on. It's and I just don't know. I don't know who the publisher is for this one, or the, or whether it's been handed out to somebody who didn't really know what they're doing. I mean, I'm assuming it's not got Game Mill on the box, but it wouldn't surprise me if it did have. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, if, to your point, if if you have bought this because you remember and you remembered enjoying the fluid combat system of punch counter combat you know like counter punch sort of thing and then to go to play this game where you can literally be on one side of the fighting arena and you'll press the counter button batman will teleport to the other side (laughs) of the arena to perform a finishing move on a thug that was wasn't even doing anything, probably picking something up off the wall or something to beat you with, <laughs> to perform like the freeze frame takedown move, for that ragdolled enemy to then levitate off the floor and seemingly the sprites on him melt into the ceiling. So it sort of <laughs> elongated all his limbs and part of his face into the ceiling. I think it'll take you out of the magic of Batman if you do. <laughs> I know there's the suspension of disbelief, but it's uh, it annoys me so much. And I'm coming on to the one I'm going to be talking about. It's a similar scenario, but again, at least that's sort of playable. This is, I just, it's like a a beta version that they've released for fifty quid, and they're waiting for people who are playing it to say what's wrong with it. You come and tell us what's wrong with it, and then we'll fix it, rather than employing people to tell them what's wrong with it. And fix it before release. I'm looking. You've got a shocked look on your face. I don't know what you've seen. <laughs> yeah, someone bought the cartridge version off Amazon and then posted a delightful one star review. So they bought the cartridge version, started play. It went went to start playing it. The console then insisted on a mandatory fifty gig download. What's on the cartridge? It can't be fifty gig <laughs> on the cartridge. And how? How much space do switches have on them natively? Because it isn't that much, is it? 286, isn't it? Something like that. That's why they've got a little SD slot, isn't it? Because yeah. they fill up really quickly. Jesus. 50 gig. <laughs> for for two... Well, for three old games now, because the third one must be a fair few years old, it's almost like there's nothing on the cartridge apart from a thing that says go and download the game. And each game has its own launch icon as well. It's not you open the... It has its own single icon. You open it and it launches sort of like a a desktop view where you can then select which game you want to load. No, it has three separate launches for each game. So it looks like you've got three cartridges into your Switch at one time, essentially. 
essentially. Like, why would you do it like that as well? Like, why wouldn't you just put a bit of polish on it and have a an opening game select screen? I'm it's assuming so that's lazy. why it's fifty gig. Because it essentially it's downloads it as three yeah. separate titles. Jesus. <laughs> I, I, I thought we'd got our, fi- our entries finalised for worst game, but maybe not. <laughs> we might have to look into this a bit more. Right, shall I go now? Yes. <laughs> so we talked about it last week, and, and maybe the week before as well, and we weren't very pleasant about it. But unfortunately for me, curiosity got the better of me. And I decided to play The Walking Dead. I think, is it called The Walking Dead Destinies? I'm trying to blank it out of my head. <laughs> By Game Mill. And I, I did put a little audio disclaimer in last week's episode. So, Game Mill are the publisher. So, they're not technically developing it, I suppose. They're, they've got developers working on it. But it's their responsibility to make sure it's a functioning game and that the developers are doing their job. And. And and they're the ones that put it out in this state. So I think we're more than within our rights to to have a bit of criticism uh, criticism towards them. And I'm not a hundred percent sure that there isn't some shenanigans going on at Game Mill because according to the, if you look at the Wikipedia pages, Kong Skull Island and The Walking Dead were developed by two completely different studios, but they're practically the same game. So I'm not convinced that they've just not stuck a different name on it and they are developing in-house and they just call different, well, not even different teams because when I start talking about it, you'll see what I mean, that the the likenesses are uncanny between the two games and it's not difficult to spot either. So I genuinely don't know what's been going on there, but I I haven't had the, the inclination to look into it, but it does seem very suspicious. But anyway, I got this game... I played it, I uninstalled it, I never want to see it again. (laughs) It is just, it is unbelievable. If you think it's bad from watching a video of it, try playing it, because it is a thousand times worse. It controls horribly. The sound is constantly glitching out and just disappearing and coming back. And then sometimes it'll like echo as if it's meant to be in your head. But I don't think that's a thing that should be happening. I think it's just the way the audio goes sometimes. I mentioned last time that the decisions, I didn't think they really mattered because all they do is just swap out one character for the other. This became even more so apparent. So there's going to be spoilers, but if you go and play this game after this, then that's more full you, so I'm not bothered about spoiling it for anyone. There's a bit in it where you get to, in in the TV programme, Rick and Shane end up having a big falling out and they end up in a field and it basically says, it's you or me, and the go at each other and try and kill each other. In the game, you get the decision. Do you want Rick to die or do you want Shane to die? So obviously in the TV show, Shane gets killed. So I thought, well, let's change things up a bit. So, And I've never particularly liked Rick anyway. So I thought, right, let's, let's side with Shane. So then you go into this weird battle mode where you're in like a pen full of straw bales and stuff. And it looks like it's a completely different time of the day when you fight. The cutscene's definitely at night, and then I think it is still at night, but it looks a lot brighter than it did. And you basically have this one-on-one fight with Rick, but you have it three times. So you kill him, and then it just starts again, like nothing's ever happened, and then you do the same thing again. But then the zombies come in as well, and then you kill him again, and then it starts again, and you do the whole thing over again. And I don't know why, really. It doesn't really explain that. I thought it was glitched, and it was just I was doing something wrong. But no. The other thing is, so you can level up your characters and skills and abilities, but then if they die, you're just done. You've lost them. But you get that many level up points, it doesn't matter. Like You you, you kill a zombie in the later bits of it, and it gives you like nine leveling up points, and you only need one for each thing. It, it's just mad. But I'd leveled up Shane's shotgun quite a lot, and I had a shotgun with me, so I'm like, oh, this should be easy work. So shot him with the shotgun. He did hardly any... He's got a life meter at the top, and it knocked off like the slimmest, like a millimetre of this life meter. So I'm running around shooting him, run out of ammo. I'm like, right, I'm going to have to switch to an axe or something. Hit him with an axe, and it knocked like half of his life meter off. <laughs> How would that do more damage than getting shot with a shotgun like 20 times? So there's there's that that isn't going for it, but this is the the thing I was going back to about how it doesn't change anything. I killed Rick, and I took over as Shane, and the story carries on with Shane in Rick's place. 
So he's with Laurie and he's leading the group, etc. And then it does this little jump forward bit. So you're in a little bit further on in the story. And it's just Rick, but with Shane's face. So they've taken Rick's character model with Rick's hair, Rick's beard, Rick's clothes, and just put Shane's face in the middle of it. In all the cutscenes, in all the gameplay. So it clearly doesn't make any difference because the only thing that changes is the face. They've literally that lazy. They've just put the face on Rick's like character model. It is ridiculous. I, I don't know why they've done it. Like why they didn't just leave Shane as being Shane. I assume because they then have to program two cutscenes and they couldn't be bothered to do that. But it is just go and find a video of it because it is ridiculous how little effort they've put into this. Other issues with it, the the characters say the same thing every time you pick an item up. So if you go into a room with ten items up and try and pick them all up, they just keep repeating the same words over and over and over and over again. There's ammo chests where you can go up to them and you can take ammo and run away and use the ammo and then come back and get more. But there's, like, if it's a glitch or a bug or an exploit or whatever it is, I saw somebody else do it online and I started doing it. If you just take some ammo and spin around in a circle, it refreshes. So you can just stand there spinning around in a circle and get, like, I think I had, like, 3,000 or 10,000 shotgun bullets at one point because I just stood there (laughs) taking as many as I could. I was like, I'll see how long it lets me do it for. There's no, like, headshots in it. So no matter how powerful your gun is, you shoot a zombie or a human in the head, they don't die. First shot. You have to then shoot them again in most cases. The thing we know about zombie movies and zombie TV shows is you shoot them in the head, that's it, they're out. That doesn't happen, hardly at all. There's these weird bits in it where you'll get thrown into an environment with an AI character and have to take on a horde of zombies. So I think the the one that sticks in my mind most is in Series 2, where they're on the farm, Herschel's farm, they've got all the zombies locked in the barn and Rick and I think it's Shane or Rick and Daryl go in, depending on who you've killed, go in and try and wipe them all out. So you get this little iconic scene to play out and they've penned you in round the barn. About a hundred zombies come out of this barn and there's you and Daryl and they just swarm Daryl. They don't even bother with you. (laughs) So there's like a hundred zombies round him and you can just stand and watch and he'll never die. He'll never take damage. So he's just stood in the middle of them all getting mullered, not getting any shots off. And you can literally just stand there. Like It took me about 10 minutes just standing there picking them off. One, and he's just getting... And, and they move around <laughs> because they're pushing him about so much. This horde just moves around this area, gradually like attacking him. But then you, the best bit is you turn around and like all the other people, so like T-Dog, etc., are all just stood on the fence watching. Like, not helping, just like some sort of perverse arena battle that they're all stood watching happen. And and Daryl's clearly getting killed by all these zombies, and they're all just stood there like, yeah, we're not going to do anything. We're not going to get involved in this. Um, the ending is bugged as well. So if you finish the game, if you've got the tolerance to get to the end of the game and finish it, it just, like, black screens... And, and you can hear a bit of audio and nothing happens. I don't know if that was my specific experience or whether this is a common thing, but you can just hear... And it does it at various points in the game. It'll play a cutscene. The cutscenes don't have an, any animation. They're just stills of the 3D models while the voices play. The mouths don't move or anything. This is what I mean by it being very similar to Kong, because that is exactly what Kong does. And then, yeah, there'll be certain ones where the cutscene finishes playing, it fades to black, and then randomly starts playing like zombie eating noises for like a good minute. And then it just carries on with the game. I mean, there's so, I could go on all night. There's so many more things that I could say about it, but they were just some of the things that as I struggled through it, I was like, this is, this is terrible. And it's annoying because like I said, last, last time we talked about it, I love the concept that you can change the storyline and it does follow the beats of the show fairly well like in terms of you get all the major bits that you'd expect to get so at one bit i think i can't remember what character you are but the governor's in it and you find his daughter who's been turned into a biter and you can either sympathize with him or just lop her head off and then if you do that he turns on you and you get all so it has got all those beats and it is 
it could be quite enjoyable if it just wasn't so bad. And yeah, you can you can shoot people through walls. They can shoot you through walls. Sometimes they don't even acknowledge your existence. You can just walk around. You can increase your stealth to the extent that zombies don't see you anymore as if you're invisible. And then you can just walk around them and they, they will never attack you. It's I, I just don't even know where to begin with it. It is so bad. And I don't like to be completely negative about games, but I don't see a single saving grace in this. They've even the fact that it's a good idea, the fact that they've butchered it so badly is a negative in itself, and it frustrates me so much because we still haven't got that good Walking Dead game. And they've got the audacity to leave it open at the end as if they were going to get another game out of this. They probably will, to be fair, because <laughs> nothing seems to kill these guys. They are like proverbial <laughs> zombies themselves. They just don't seem to go down. That they have released true, some yeah. utter dross, and they are still functioning as a company. I mean, there is. I played through it, and I didn't really enjoy any of it. But I thought I've paid for it, so I'm going to finish it and see if it gets better. It didn't. And then I found a video of a guy online playing it, and he had pretty much the same playthrough as me. I, this is how annoyed I got with it. I was just like, right, delete off my console. I don't want to see any. <laughs> memory of this anywhere do you know what i mean and and yeah it's just it irritates me now thinking that i spent money on this and i funded this company oh it, i didn't mention it crashed multiple times as well and and made me redo the rick thing crashed twice and i had to redo the whole three phases of that again uh, you get into another fight later on which is exactly the same as that one but with a different character that then crashed at the end of that, and I had to redo all that. So, yeah, not. I thought it was being oversold as to how bad it was. It isn't. If anything, the video reviews and stuff don't do justice as to how horrible this game is. And I just implore you don't go out and buy it. Just watch videos of it online if you want to laugh at somebody else suffering through it because it is terrible. Anyway, that's my rant on that one over. <laughs> Well, I'll I'll not go out and buy it. <laughs> I mean, part of me wishes you would because it. I would if somebody was saying what I'm saying and I hadn't played it, I wouldn't believe it was as bad as it is. And I, I feel like I need more people to know how <laughs> bad it is through experience. <laughs> it, it has partly made me want to buy Kong because I can't imagine that's worse than this. But from what I understand, it is. So I, I don't know now, but I just don't want to give them any more money. <coughs> I think that would be my thing. Do you remember on the 360, there was that game that came out called Ride to Hell? Oh, and Ride to Hell, was, Retribution, yeah. Yeah, and it was it, it's up there with like Superman 64 as one of the worst games of all time. I bought that from CEX because I heard how bad it was, and I'm like... It can't be this bad. And I played that, and it was as bad as people said. So I will wait until this drops down in the January sales to a fiver, and I will I will chuck them a bone, and I'll give it a go. Right to Hell was the one where you could like slide on your bike infinitely on the side, couldn't you? Yes. And, and you have it away with a load of women, and they don't take their clothes off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I've seen a few. Seen a few playthroughs of that. I mean, again, the concept of that didn't look that bad, but it just was. Yeah, <laughs> I've it, seen all the videos of it. it it's just glitched awful. to hell, isn't it? And it just it doesn't play fun or anything. Yeah, this is this is probably on a similar vein to that. And another thing that is annoying me is that it doesn't seem to be getting as much negative publicity as it should do. I've seen a few people on YouTube saying it's terrible, but I've not seen like. Like that Ride Tail Retribution was like almost mainstream news, wasn't it? It was that bad. You saw it everywhere. And this has sort of gone under the radar a bit. And I feel like it's my civic duty to point out to as many people as I can that this is one of the worst things. And there's been some terrible things happen to the Walking Dead franchise. This is one of the worst, if not the worst. I mean, the, the fact that it's still going after... 16 seasons they've killed rick about 40 times and he's <laughs> still not dead 
<laughs> and they keep trying to crowbar spin-offs. The annoying thing for me with Walking Dead was that I got Negan's my favourite character, as I think he probably is with most people. Uh, but they just dragged that series out so much that I lost interest. So I've never finished that story arc. So in, in my world, Negan's still alive and I don't know what happens to him post that war. Um, but yeah, like his introduction episode is one of the best, most horrible episodes ever. And yeah, he, he, I just, that series just, it went from being amazing must watch to I can't be doing with this anymore. It's just going on too long. Just finish it. Put an end to it. I'm sick of people going backwards and forwards and I'm sick of people going two hours at this bloody farm that I don't care about that they're, they're tending. Just give me the action bit. So yeah, that was when I dropped out. The game doesn't go that far, thankfully. Otherwise I might have to play might have had to play even more of it. But no, it's just just avoid it. Just avoid anything they do. I mean it's actively made me not buy that Nickelodeon fighter game, which I really wanted to buy, but they published it and I don't want to give them any more money. So I'm in a bit of a quandary because I really do want to play that, but I don't want to pay Game Mill any more money. So I don't really know what to do. Yeah, justifiably so, I think. Right. Have we got anything else to cover? We were going to do some wintry game talk, weren't we? But we've run out of time, unfortunately. So we might be able to tack that onto the Christmas episode if uh, if we whip through the categories. I mean, I've just talked about what I was going to talk about in the Christmas episode for the worst game <laughs> category, so I've used my material there. I think we're probably in a good place to call this one. If you don't listen to us before Christmas Day, because I appreciate most people are busy on Christmas Eve when we're going to release the next episode, then we both hope you have a really lovely Christmas or whatever it is you may celebrate, the holidays. I think that's the, the safe term to use these days, isn't it? That encapsulates everything. Yeah, that'll do. And and a great new year as well, if you don't listen to us again before before the new year, because I know those days in between Christmas and New Year, nobody knows what day of the week it is and what time it is and what they're doing. So we appreciate you might not get a chance to listen to us. But if it is the new year and it's 2024, and thank you for listening, we will give the Patreon shout-out. So... In the couple of coins tier, we have got Lee and Harry Flynn. We'll do all of them since it's Christmassy time. In the Bucket Kicker tier, we've got the Sweaty Llama and we have got Ric Flair. And in the Avatarnish tier, we do actually have Atropos. I need to apologise because we didn't shout him out last week because Patreon told me that they'd unsubscribed. But they hadn't. Well, I say Patreon told me they'd unsubscribe. They just didn't show in the list of subscribers. I didn't get an email or anything. And I thought, oh, fair enough. They've, they've Which we, we don't mind people doing. It's not like we were going to get mad about it or anything. It just looked like they'd unsubscribed. So we took them off the list to shout out. And then they just appeared again. And, and I've spoke to them since, and it was nothing they did. So it was just Patreon messing about, essentially. So, yeah, sorry to them. Double shout out this week to Atropos. And unless you've got any other business, I think there's only one thing left for me to say. I'm waiting. (laughs) (laughs) That is a Merry Christmas from me. And a Happy Holidays from me. And from Santa Ghost there as well. Until next week, we, we will see you on the awards show. Goodbye. Bye.